Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Fotbollsvärld kryllar ju av agenter och rådgivare och sådana som vill hjälpa spelare både på gott och ont. Men en sak är det ont om och det är kvinnliga agenter. Faktum är att det är några procent av alla licensierade agenter hos FIFA som är kvinnor. Och en av dem finns faktiskt i Sverige. Catherine Salisbury är amerikanska som slog sig på agentbranschen efter att ha lämnat jobbet som affärsadvokat och gifte sig med en svensk man. Och är nu baserad i Stockholm men jobbar naturligtvis mycket mot MLS, den amerikanska proffsligan. Har varit delaktig i flera av svenskarnas flyttar dit. Men hjälper även andra spelare. Jag var lite spänd på att sitta ner med henne för att höra det som skillnaderna mellan amerikansk proffsidrott som ju närmast framstår som socialistisk i jämförelse med den vilda marknad som det är i Europa. Och sen också hur det är att vara kvinna i en så mansdominerad bransch. Och en hel del annat. Det är ju någonting med agenter som fascinerar och hela den världen. Men som vanligt vill vi ju lära känna den vi ska träffa i podden. Och i det här fallet är det kanske extra nödvändigt eftersom få nog har hört talas om Catherine Salisbury som ju är agent och har egen firma och nu jobbar utifrån Sverige. Vi kör fakta utan som vanligt. Since I used to work at uh, Sweden's equivalence of New York Post, I always start with like what we in tabloids have like uh, facts about the person I interview. And uh, so we start with family. I have uh, a Sambu here in Stockholm, George Friedman, who I met nine years ago in midsummer in New York. And we have a daughter who was born in August this past year. And where do you live? We live uh, here in Salkhudubnes. We just moved here the beginning of April. Um, before that, we were in on Maria Torjet in Södermalm, and uh, uh, I got to Sweden officially in the summer of 2013. But I've been going back and forth since um, 2009, I think, 
much more time in New York than in Stockholm, but still visits here regularly. And what title do you have? Uh, I guess CEO and founder is the one I officially use. Um, agent is probably the more accessible, accurate title. Education? I went to college at the University of Chicago and majored in Slavic languages and literatures. And uh, then I went on to law school at Cornell and um, finished there in 2003. Salary? Uh, I don't know exactly what my salary is. It changes regularly. Um, but I invest pretty much everything we get back into the business, so we're growing it right now. Do you have any honors on your way, uh, either as an athlete or as an agent, lawyer? Um, I got a pro bono award when I was a lawyer uh, for doing a lot of, giving a lot of free legal services to people in the community, um, children that needed representation to get better health care. Uh, are you talking about past honors? Yeah, or? past honors. Yeah. And um, in college I had... I graduated with honors, um, both both types you could get. And uh, as an athlete, I had some swimming records at University of Chicago. Uh, do you vote? Here in Sweden, we vote uh, nowadays, uh, the second Sunday of September, used to be the third Sunday of September, kind of. Uh, I usually vote like a blank vote, but I at least I go there to the booth and vote. Do you vote? I absolutely vote. Obama. <laughs> Obama. Change. <laughs> Except I will say I voted for Hillary in the primary. <laughs> okay. Uh, I have the motto that I don't trust anyone. Uh, do you have a motto or th- that you live for? Hmm. I probably do. Let me think about it. I do tell myself, don't let the, en- the, uh, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. I say that one quite a lot in my head. That sounds good. When was the last time you were drunk? Oh, probably not that long ago. (laughs) And if I look into the register of crimes, do I find anything spectacular? Fortunately, no. That that one I have to be extra careful of or I'd lose my my status as a lawyer. What do you read? I read, well, right now a lot of baby development books, a lot of nerdy soccer books. I'm reading The Nowhere Men um, about scouting. Uh, But I also am in a book group in Brooklyn and have been in one for years. So uh, I'm trying to keep up with the books that they read, but I haven't been doing the best job. Sounds quite a commute for a book (laughs) circle to go to Brooklyn. Uh, What do you listen to? I listen to a lot of alternative rock, I guess would be the the catchphrase for it um, and I go through phases where I'll listen to one band 7,000 times before I move on to the other one so recently it's been Mumford and Sons and um, Alt-J and I guess the same ones everyone else is listening to Coldplay Adele What do you watch? I probably watch too much television soccer of course and then um, I watch pretty much everything HBO and Showtime produce <laughs> Uh, How many times do you look at your smartphone every day? That is an embarrassingly large number of times. I would probably not want to know. Where do you surf? And I don't mean surfing on the board, but more 
Internet. Internet. Um, well, I always check out Huffington Post and New York Times for some general news, and then I log on to the MLS website compulsively to see what's going on uh, over there. Since I'm removed, I need to stay up on it. And um, then I get a bizarre number of my news from weird feeds and Facebook, if you think about you know, friends post the link and then you end up on some random blog I never visit again, but read something there. Ja, som ni förstod på faktarutan så kör vi på engelska och jag hoppas att de flesta har följt med i sin skolengelska tillräckligt väl för att kunna förstå det här utan att behöver översättas. Det tror jag faktiskt att de flesta fixar. Annars får man ta hjälp av en vän eller en granne eller någonting och slå sig ner och lyssna på podden och sakta men säkert gå igenom det hela. Det borde inte vara några problem. När vi nu går vidare i podden så är det ju naturligt att ta reda på hur hon hamnade i Sverige, Catherine Salisbury. För det känns ju lite udda att åka ut i ett sommarfaget Stockholm i Saltsjöbo någonstans och hitta en kvinnlig amerikansk agent. It's kind of strange to have an American female agent in Sweden. How come you ended up here? It's a very strange story, I suppose, and mostly an accident, I guess. Um, my uh, Sambu George, he used to play uh, here in Naka for Naka FF, I think it was called, in Norrätten, and then went to college in the States, and I met him over there. And uh, his uncle, Jan Friedman, was chairman of Hammerby at the time. And uh, so topics started to come up with Charlie Davies and uh, players from America going over like Bedoya. Um, and also one of George's college friends, Buna Kundul, who played for Hasebuck on the Red Bulls. Um, at the time, he was struggling with contract issues with MLS. So I started helping out and one thing led to another and... Here I am. So you left uh, your career as a business lawyer to work with uh, football and soccer, as you say, in the States. How come uh, you took that step? Uh, I was actually off on a break from being a corporate lawyer. I had a medical problem I was focusing on, and I was very bored uh, trying to get better. And while I was bored, I started to put in time on this and then decided... It would be a great move for me. Um, I found it really rewarding to hear about Buna's problems and um, instead of servicing large, big uh, companies like JP Morgan and Citibank or uh, Russian oil companies, or those were my clients before, it was kind of impersonal. Uh, so it was it was great to get on a human level and see someone doing something for following their passion uh, was really interesting. And What was your connection to soccer before that? It was very limited. I, uh, I didn't know much about soccer until probably eight years ago. And um, that made me a little nervous at first, whether I'd be qualified or whether I could catch up with my peers in time to actually be good at this. But then I thought people go to medical school in five years and... You know, this isn't neurosurgery, so maybe I can handle it if I just really focus and ask a lot of questions and study a lot and 
watch a ton of soccer. <laughs> Do you need to know soccer to help players with their contracts, different deals and things like that? I think... When I started, I thought the answer was no, but now I think you do, absolutely, uh, to be good at it. And so I've put in a lot of time and effort uh, to get to know it a lot more. Um, I'll still never be a scout like a Premier League scout. I'll never have that ability. And I think scouting 14, 15-year-olds is extra hard. I think scouting seniors is much easier. But you, you need to really understand how a player is going to fit into the team you're trying to move him to, why he's going to be an asset and just how much of an asset, or you don't really know how much he's going to be worth to them. Um, so, yeah, you can negotiate the contracts, but a, a good, fruitful negotiation is grounded in facts and not just bullying someone. And so you have to know your facts. So I think you do. Den tidigare affärsadvokaten Catherine Salisbury sadlade alltså om och blev fotbollsagent. Det finns ju skillnader mellan att vara jurist och vara agent. Det är nog både plus och minus och det är kanske därför en del agenter jobbar ihop med jurister för att man ska kunna vara med på vissa gungor och kunna avstå vissa karuseller. Bland annat så är det ju så att... En advokat får inte ta betalt på samma sätt som en agent. En agent tar betalt i procent. En advokat, åtminstone i Sverige, måste ta betalt per timme. Och sen kan man inte skriva lika långa kontrakt om man är advokat jämfört med om man är agent. Vi borrar lite i de frågeställningarna med Catherine Salisbury. JP Morgan and Russian oil companies on one side and now soccer and football. Which world is the most shady? <laughs> uh, it's soccer for sure. It is? Absolutely. Yeah, I think um, I even did uh, debt. I did unregulated debt instruments um, when I was a lawyer, which is pretty much what blew up. Okay, um, that's the, when they board uh, on houses and things like that. And yeah, I mean, I didn't do the the housing bubble. Yeah, yeah, I didn't do. I didn't. We didn't do anything related to houses, but um, it was. It was. Uh, we well, we worked in debt, and I remember one day I was hired by a bank, and I went into the bank uh, that I was working at, and I had this hybrid banking legal role, um, and we'd been doing deals, but now we were going to do the financing for the actual bank I was at. And they said, well, we've made a billion dollars worth of loans and now we're going to drop those loans into an entity in the Cayman Islands and sell those loans to raise another roughly billion dollars. And I thought, how do you do that? <laughs> and they said, well, it's like chopping up chickens and selling chicken legs. Now you can sell it as a whole new thing. And of course, it's much more sophisticated than that. And that was my primer, but... Um, But it was a it was a very interesting industry, and um, fortunately, when I look back on it, all of my deals have been solid deals. They didn't turn into these ugly, embarrassing skeletons. Um, I was working with good people and on good teams, but I can see how it blew up. I remember it uh, when I was at Simpson. I was representing Blackstone, which is a big private equity shop, probably the biggest in the market at the time. And they could beat up anyone in town on terms. And 
the attorney on the other side of me represented Lehman Brothers. And uh, I said at the end, we knew each other personally. I said, you just gave me everything. This is going to be terrible. You know, this is going to be a terrible deal in the long run. And he said, well, it doesn't matter. We get our bankers get their bonuses based on deals closed, not on what happens three years later. So you could see the incentives were just off and people were making deals they knew were bad. Um, and still, soccer is worse. Soccer is worse. <laughs> uh, it doesn't sound good. We go. We get back to that. Uh, uh, how do you work now? You work with a company with your husband, and do you have a network or scouts or? Yeah, um, George is still involved, but he really does our books and is a resource for me. He has a full time um, startup of his own. Uh, So it's been it's been pretty much my own. I, I work on it full time and have been since the start, and he hasn't for the last four years. Um, so it's been mine, and I have uh, interns occasionally uh, through um, this sports law program in Tulane, and we have scouts that we work with um, to give us advice and do scouting reports. And but it's pretty much me. Do you have a like a network with other agents, lawyers that you work together with? Yeah, I work probably 75% or more of what I do is brokering for other agents. Um, so agents here in Stockholm that or Sweden that want to move a player to MLS. Or right now I'm working with a Russian partner who has a player that wants to play in MLS. Um, I'll help that those players find Några år efter att FIFA infört agentlicensen så blev Rachel Anderson i England den första kvinnliga agenten som tog ut en licens. Hon har gett en bild av sexism och hur hon ofta tog som sekreterare vid förhandlingar och att hon slutade klä sig i kjol och började ha lite kostymbyxor istället för att smälta in eller för att bli en del av det hela. Naturligtvis är det en speciell värld och det är det oavsett om man är man eller kvinna men kanske extra när man är så lite representerad och det är naturligtvis ett ämne som jag är lite intresserad att höra med Catherine Salisbury om hon beställer en drink istället för en kopp te som Rachel Anderson brukade köra som trick. It's uh, 17 years since uh, the world saw its first female agent, Rachel Anderson. And I think uh, Norway had uh, Riese, the, the mother of the Riese brothers. She was also an agent four or five years later. Is it different to be a woman in this industry? I mean, of course, yeah, it, it has to be. Um, I'm not exactly sure what it would be like if I weren't a woman because I can't see that so I can't compare it um I think if you're a woman you didn't have a career like you know some of the other agents where they were national team players um so it's maybe not being a woman so much as not being an ex-star or having been an ex-men's soccer player um so you, you get questioned on your knowledge and um you're the sophistication of your understanding of the sport um, and especially again with my history uh, so if 
Pia Sundhaga wanted to be an agent, I don't think she'd get the same <laughs> questions. Um, but then, of course, there's the fact that you're the only woman in the room most of the time. Yeah, I, I read that uh, out of 7,000 licensed agents, only 3% are women. How come? Uh, I have no idea. Yeah. It's, uh, I think it's a, a pretty tough business. And um, I think it's tough for anyone to be an agent. So I think we all must have, we all must be missing a screw to be, <laughs> to be in this business. Um, now that I have a daughter, I realize there's a lot of travel involved. Maybe it's a little bit harder on mothers. But also, I think a lot of people that go into age hunting used to be a player. So maybe that's part of it. They get a running start. They have friends who are players, and they get an immediate book of business, hopefully. And they have an immediate set of contacts, so it's an easier entrance than if you're starting from scratch. When I read uh, about Rachel Anderson, who was the first agent, uh, she said that uh, very often they thought she was the secretary and uh, she always was very conscious not to order tea. She took a drink instead just to be one of the boys So because tea was kind of a, a bad sign. Do you have tricks like that or do they take you as the secretary? Uh, I was in... Um Guatemala for the under 20 World Cup qualifiers and uh, I was hanging around with one of my close friends who was the Arsenal scout at the time and everyone kept thinking I was his girlfriend <laughs> not a colleague um, so and I, that was just a running joke at that tournament because it was so consistent that I must be there on vacation with him um, so there are those instances of course um, and then her comment about a tea I imagine is I, I've done more than just order to drink. I'll follow them to a strip club if that's where they're going. Um, you have? Yeah. It, I can't be saying, oh, I'm headed home now, guys. You know. it's, is that where they do the deals? <laughs> <laughs> no. No, but, you know, it's football. So people do things at night, and it, I don't think it helps me to turn around and go home. It just flags that I'm different. So I put on my night out on the town hat and make it fun. When you uh, compare your uh, previous life as a business lawyer with this life, is it more open for women in uh, that hard world of business lawyers in New York than the soccer world? There were definitely more women, but actually the, the particular type of law I did was very few women. Um, and when I went in-house to this, this bank I, that was started up, there were 30 people and I think Two women were secretaries, one was a junior analyst and one was a more senior banker and me. So it was still kind of a minority, quite a minority. But do you feel it was easier to be a woman there than in the world of football? Yeah, absolutely. I think, well, football's, football's difficult. I th maybe I should say, not because I'm a woman, I think that job was a lot easier than this one. Um, even though the deals were seven billion dollars, <laughs> they were more civilized. <laughs> Says it all. Uh, how do you react when someone thinks you're the scout's girlfriend or something? Do you get angry or do you joke about it? Or yeah, we joke about it. I, I try and be gracious so the person doesn't feel embarrassed, and then joke about it. 
When do you get angry? Because I I would be angry to be feel that kind of discrimination. Uh, you know, I feel angry when um, when it when I uh, when a deal doesn't go well. That's when I get angry. Um, there's one one agent I tried to co- cooperate with on a deal, and I know I got the very best deal I could have for the player, and then he wasn't happy with it and said, "Next time I have to negotiate the deal instead, Catherine. I would have done a better job." And I said, I, I can't imagine what you're basing that on. You didn't hear any of the conversations. And I certainly don't have a history of being a bad negotiator. I was 24 years old when I was doing much bigger deals than this. So uh, that made me angry because it was clearly based on nothing except the fact that he thought I couldn't do it, probably because I was a woman. Who and was that? I'll, I'll leave his name out since I just <laughs> made him out to be such a sexist <laughs> uh, person. But um, there were other instances. I remember a sporting director that was trying to screw me over on a deal and I was trying to stand up for myself, called me a silly little girl and said, no one will believe you put this together anyway. I get angry, but that's, I think that happens to all agents. Um, they just happen to use silly little girl for me, but they probably use something else for another agent um working in sweden how does sweden compared to when it comes to sexism and discrimination compared to like the u.s or other leagues i think sweden is uh quite ahead actually um the uh people i've worked with out of sweden rarely question my competence uh which is great Um, the U.S. is pretty good too. They're not quite so shocked to see a woman in my shoes, but then I think it's it's a little more um, it's a little harder to be taken as seriously. Uh, but I've I've passed that now. But at the beginning, five years ago, I think it was so many agents come and go. You know, they start up for a year and and close up shop. So I think in the states, I had a little more to prove that I was serious. Min första anblick så framstår åtminstone de amerikanska proffsligorna som mer socialistiska än den mer vilda västernartade marknaden i Europa där det är mer upp till spelare att göra precis som de vill. I USA så kontrollerar ofta ligorna och inte minst i fotboll eller det jänkarna föredrar att kalla soccer. Major League Soccer styr ju ofta affärer och det är rätt intressant att höra om svårigheterna just att få över spelare från Europa till USA beroende på problemen med ligan, att ligan är de som bestämmer. Och sen så är det ju intressant att höra vad man har som mål för som agent när man håller på att bygga upp sin verksamhet. If you look at the agent business, it's uh, roughly 7000 licensed agent in the world, FIFA license, you're not licensed because you're a lawyer and uh, on top of that all lawyers and then there's quite a few uh, people who are trying to strike gold by acting as agents. And still only 30-40% maybe can live on it on 100%. How, can you live on your just working as an agent? 
No, I made some good decisions back when I was a lawyer with what I did with my income then. And so it's given me the ability to build this. I mean, if I had started out thinking I have to live off of it day one, I probably would have built a different business model. Um, so instead, I've come up with the model that we're going to reinvest everything and oftentimes do deals not based on the agent fee, but instead the profile and how much it's going to enhance our relationships or build bridges into new markets or learn from something. So um, we also never feel pressure to do a deal uh, just to get it done, just to get a dollar in the door. So I've been able to take the long view and I think it makes it much easier to preserve your integrity when you can go at everything uh, with that. Um, and I remember a couple of my mentors, when I started, explained how long it took them to really be profitable. Um, so I don't think it's, I don't think it's possible to hit the ground very profitable. And it, the expenses of traveling and and all that are quite high. What are your goals? Where will you be in three, five, ten years? <sighs> I hope we're a very major agency um, ten years from now. Uh, and I hope that um, three years from now, it's a agency with a with a lot of a lot of power in the market that we're trying to work in. Um, and I hope I hope to find some people I can truly partner with, um, not just as a broker, but uh, build the agency with more agents. I think that's a very tricky thing to do in this business. Um, so hopefully we'll grow the number of agents as well. Which market is the most important for you? It's two things. Um, I guess MLS is the natural one. I didn't start by looking at that market. I started by thinking we'd move players out of North America into Europe, but the league has grown so quickly and uh, has become so interesting that that's a big part of what we do. And then as I started working in that market, I realized how few agents can work in that market. Um, and then also I think it's growing so quickly that assuming it grows like I think it will grow, then that will be our primary market. Um, but I, it's always it's always fun to work in the big European markets. So hopefully we can do more of that as well. Either selling top players out of MLS into big leagues or... Um, Or finding young talent, if we if we eventually grow into that and, and moving them, is soccer finally taking off in the states? It's not going to close. We've had some leagues during the years that have started off really big and then closed down. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty amazing actually. It's um, when I started, I really thought MLS is a joke, and if you're a serious player in North America, don't you want to leave? Um, And now I'm a complete convert, and I think it's a, of course it has its flaws, but it's a really great league. It's rising quickly, and it's fun to watch, and I think people enjoy playing in it, and um, I think it's very well run. Uh, this time around, they've learned from a lot of mistakes, and they've learned from a lot of other sports in the States in terms of what works. Um, so I think they're doing a great job. I think it's really exciting, and uh, when people say, do you think Americans are watching soccer? Um, I think it's it's really different now. People like my father who are, I don't know, fifth or sixth generation Americans and 
really are into baseball. I don't, I don't think he needs to start watching soccer for it to take off. I think you have so many immigrants and if you're an immigrant, you probably come from a soccer country. Um, so the stadiums are filling up. Seattle Sounders, I think, sells out 36,000 tickets per game. Portland has an amazing atmosphere. Um, I think most games have at least 20,000 uh, in the stadium. Um, and new teams coming in, like NYCFC and uh, Beckham's new team in Miami and Orlando City and Atlanta. It's pretty exciting, so... Uh, if you look at uh, Europe and compare it to the U.S., it's kind of striking, at least as a European, uh, to see that the, the setup of the league is more socialistic uh, than in Europe. Here it's more uh, eat or be eaten, but in, in the U.S., the leagues kind of control everything over the players. How come and how different is that to work with? Um, it's a, I think that even though it looks like socialism, it's really driven by money. So <laughs> it's, it's uh, more profitable for the league as a whole to cooperate um, than to fight among each other. Um, so they've learned that from baseball and basketball and American football. Basically, New York and L.A. would dominate and who would want to watch a game, kind of like maybe Scotland or even to some extent Spain have seen happen in their leagues. So by making it equal, people care in Detroit and people, well, there's no soccer team in Detroit, but there's a baseball team. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. People care in St. Louis and they care in cities where there isn't the same financial resources or number of people. So the concept of parity, you know, each team being equal, um, makes everyone more successful. Uh, and then how do you how do you make every team equal? It takes about 7,000 rules and they're not written down anywhere as far as I can tell. And they shift <laughs> constantly. Um, so sometimes we say the only rule in MLS is there is no rule. And uh, it's a full-time job to keep up with how the league runs and the best the best way to bring a player in from abroad and and all. but it's yeah it's a fascinating league and the draft yeah. is fun and everything when I talked to Hasebacke my colleague who worked in New York he he says it was so impossible with all these rules around which players and the salary cap and everything and and it's also difficult I mean you have players like Thierry Henry makes five million dollars a year and then he, you have another teammate who makes maybe forty thousand dollars it's very big differences. Uh, it must be a challenge for you as an agent to get out a lot of money because the salary cap makes it difficult. Absolutely. That's part of when you asked about our business model. We do, we've brought lots of offers to lots of players knowing maybe they weren't going to be the winning offer um, because there just isn't enough money in the league yet. Um, so if... Lassa Nielsen wants to look for an offer in MLS, we bring him the best offer we can. It might not be enough money. Um, and that that will hopefully change in January when uh, the player's salary cap is renegotiated. Um, the player's union will negotiate with the league and the amount of money available for salaries will hopefully change. So we are doing kind of a land grab, you know, stay in the market and keep bringing the offers until the offers get good enough to beat because still it is difficult to recruit players unless they're like superstars like Henri or Lampard or Robbie Keane when they can go as designated players and get these top salaries. It's difficult to recruit players from Sweden, example. Yeah, Sweden's a good example because um, the level in MLS, I think most people would now fairly say it's higher than in Allsvenskan. Um so only the real top players from Elsvenskan will do well in MLS. Um, and then they're not getting the salaries that they want. So it, it really is only a good fit for a player who wants to be playing in that league for another reason. Um, there are lots of players from South America that come to the league. I think part of what they want is a green card, perhaps, or um, some players go for the college education and then end up in major league soccer. Uh, but no, the salaries absolutely have to go up um, for the league to go to the next level. On the other hand, you'd be shocked at how many players go for less than they could get in another league just to just to play in MLS, um, which makes my job even harder, of course, because there are plenty of good players like Nesta going for non-DP money. Yeah, Alessandro Nesta, Milan player who went to Toronto, I think. And Montreal, yeah. Yeah, Montreal, and didn't get that paid that much. How common is it to go around the rules, uh, to go around the salary cap with like sponsorships and things like that? To uh, 
how creative are you in that sense? The league uh, has buttoned all that up um, a few times. Some teams have tried to go around it, like maybe the Red Bulls um, in particular, because they're they're so structured for it. Um, but even getting a car from, say, a sponsor when you're in town is they button they button up all the all the loopholes. So the best way around the loopholes is to actually know the rules and know, okay, but they have a little pot of money for players relocating. So maybe we can use that money. Or there are marketing contracts you can get through the league. Maybe we can use that and they're they're better for taxes. So there are real really no ways to cheats the wrong word, but no ways to be super creative. Instead, you just have to really dig into the rules and find the the pockets of money. Innan Catherine Salisbury blev fotbollsagent så jobbade hon som affärsadvokat i New York. Och jobbade för Idels stora företag. Och där kan man ju misstänka att det var rätt hårda tag och en del fyrspel och armbågar för att man skulle vinna sina strider i rätten. Men när hon jämför med fotbollen så är det ju ganska klart vad hon tycker att det är tuffast, hårdast och vad det är mest fyrspel. Och det ger en ändå en tankeställare. Before you said that uh, the world of football or soccer is shadier than the world of uh, high finance and uh, where you worked before, what kind of uh, concrete uh, examples do you have of shady business? Uh, well, I suppose one of them was uh, we brought a player to the New York Red Bulls. Um, And before we could finish doing the deal, uh, the sporting director went and met with the player and said, you know, pretend you don't know Catherine, and then we can cut out the agent fee. And um, I spoke to the player and I said, but, you know, we have all these emails and text messages. And and by the way, you came to me. Uh, you know, I didn't come find you. And we did this for you. We found you, your dream team. And frankly, it's even a little bit above your level. So we, we did our job. I'd appreciate it if you don't do this. Uh, And he said, no, it's, uh, I was told that if I don't distance myself from you, then I can't go to the team. And um, so I called the sporting director, and that's when he called me a silly little girl. And Is that Eric Soler? Yes. The no. Norwegian who worked with Hasebacke then? <laughs> not, my, not my favorite sporting director. Um, and uh, then... Former agent. He yeah. knows the game. <laughs> he knows the game. And then we spoke to the players father he was involved um and George said you know my partner said well Catherine's worked really hard on this it would be it's it's rather unfair don't you think we should at least tell the truth if you if you want to negotiate the agent fee we can do that but at least tell the truth and uh his father said oh but if he tells the truth it'll cost him money that was that was exactly how he said it and I could have done more than I did because I mean, it was so obvious that I had been representing him. But um, instead, I called Major League Soccer and said, really unhappy with how uh, Eric has treated me. And it's not very fun for me to be bringing good players into the league like this. And they said, don't worry, we'll sort it out. So they they stepped up for me and um, took care of it. And uh, other agents that I'd been working with 
you know, had my back on that as well and gave me some pointers. So we sorted it out. But um, I just remember even, you know, the father was like a police officer saying, well, if you tell the truth, you owe money. And I thought, well, that's, it's like stealing. You know, of course, that's that's a straight up crime. That's not a loophole. You know? uh, how, how, I mean, getting into the business as a lawyer compared to an agent, I mean, sure, FIFA have their uh, uh, test to get your FIFA license, but still as a lawyer, you come from uh, a higher <laughs> moral background maybe. And uh, how do you look at the, the world of football and how FIFA, UEFA and the leagues control it? Um, well, first, I, I'm, I always have to be clear that I'm not the player's lawyer. I'm the player's agent. Otherwise, I have completely different responsibilities, um, and I c- couldn't represent them quite as well if I'm their lawyer than if I'm their agent. But I do have the legal training, um, which is always in the back of my head and influences how I handle situations. Um, and I just what shocks me is that. People don't actually get ahead when they cheat like that. It just, it doesn't actually work in the long run. I mean, the Russian oil companies are pretty smart and pretty successful and they're not, at least from what I did, ever breaking the law or cheating someone. Um, I think there's a lot more repeat business. That's probably the real reason in my old career that uh, people didn't misbehave in quite the same way. Uh, they needed their reputation. J.P. Morgan wouldn't be J.P. Morgan without their reputation. Um, and uh, it's it's unnecessary. There's no reason why things can't be done well in a straightforward way. So that's what surprises me is that people think think they need to get dirty in order to be successful. You really don't have to, I don't think. Why do you think that the UEFA and FIFA are so passive in this question I have no idea probably probably expensive to get in between every argument or I also think there's a culture people think it has to be done this way or um, it's been done this way and uh, yeah it seems to just be a culture I guess would be my best answer how often do you get asked uh If you want to transfer in this player, I need uh, so and so many thousand dollars, or you know the old George Graham uh, Rune Hauge deal where he paid uh, he bought Rune Hauge's players and he paid him some money. I guess I I don't come across that so much because people know me. I think. Is it uh, difficult to work in a? culture that is so uh, shady? I think I spend a lot of time trying to mind read what's going on behind the scenes. That makes it difficult. It would be better if there was just more transparency, more efficient, more success for everyone, I think. So, yeah, it's difficult. Would it be better if they followed the the North American model where they have, like, the salaries or... uh, You can read what the players make, its official salaries. Do you think that would be better transparency? Yeah, I think that that helps. Another reason why I think it's not very shady in MLS is because the league goes and checks every deal before it's done. Um, the I guess the example people in Sweden know is Melberg. Toronto did the 
came to terms with Melberg and then the league stepped in and I think made a big mistake, but the league stepped in and said, no, we think this is too much money. Um, they do make That mistakes. was when the Swedish defender Olof Melberg was on his way to Toronto and they did a deal, but the league stopped it. Yeah, so the league gets the ultimate say in the end and they'll look around and try and make sure they get it wrong probably as often as they get it right. But someone there's a there's a, someone else double checking uh, a team. So you wouldn't you can't get away with some extra hundred thousands here and there um, to smooth a deal through because people will catch it. I'm not saying MLS doesn't have corruption, but uh, not in the same way. Looking uh, as an American on Swedish football, how would you rate the shadiness in Swedish football? I don't I don't think I know enough. I haven't transferred a player into Sweden. Um, but so. you have transferred from Sweden. Yeah, I've transferred from Sweden. But uh, no shadiness there. No. Allt är intressant att höra med någon som kommer utifrån hur de ser på svensk fotboll och varför Catherine Salisbury valt att bara jobba med herrar och inte med damer. What kind of players do you represent? Uh, we have all sorts of different players. Um, for example, a 20-year-old from Trinidad who's maybe going to go to a team in Mexico, um, to Stephanie Shizaki going to the Galaxy, or Christian Wilhelmsen going to the Galaxy. Um, or uh, we were brought in to consult on the Nesta transaction. Um, And uh, on the what the Nesta going to Montreal? Okay, um, not when he went to Montreal, but when he was looking around MLS to see should he be a DP? Can he not get a DP sort of salary? Or in Zaghi when he was finishing his career and was looking in MLS, uh, we'll we'll work with players from well all over Costa Rica. Do you work with female players? No, I. I have very little knowledge about female uh, about women's soccer. I didn't play myself and I've never really followed it, so I don't know much about it. Because that's uh, we've had uh, quite a few Swedish players playing in the US and Pia Sundag has been there both as a coach for Boston Breakers and Philadelphia and then for the national team. But mm-hmm. that hasn't been Oh, that too, is it too little money in women's soccer? You mean why am I yeah. why I don't do it? Um I don't know enough about it and Frankly, I'm just so busy. I just don't have room to take on more leagues, and in a way, that's two more leagues. Uh, what's the reputation of Swedish players in uh, in uh, the U.S. The MLS? Uh, let's see. Well, everyone thinks they have great English, so when I speak to a team, they say, "Oh, that'll be great. He'd be he'd be so easy to slot in because he speaks great English." Um, Then the follow-up question is: Is he fast enough? Um, because the U.S. the MLS is a real focus on athleticism, um, so a player can't get away with just being smart and tactical. He has to have a lot of speed. I think, for example, Wilhelmsen, who has quite a lot of speed, um, he I think he was surprised when he got to MLS, and it wasn't his weapon like it had been before, or even just in the Euros. Um, so there's a little bias, you know, are they quick enough? Are they kind of going to be more of a tall center back? 
idea or can can we get a target striker maybe from Sweden um, but uh, yeah the only designated player Sweden has had uh, lately is Freddie Jungberg what was his uh, what did he impression did he make on MLS you know, and be I, honest I, I don't know he was a little bit before I got deep into MLS so I missed him um, we didn't overlap and I didn't see I didn't hear the buzz okay but it's not like people uh, contacting you and say we want a new Freddie Jungberg no okay uh, do you think the amount of Swedish players moving uh, west will uh, go up or will it go down I hope it will go up. Um, I think. I think it will go up if the salaries go up. I think that would make a big difference. Uh, players with EU passports have different options than players without EU passports. So, for example, I think there were 60 players from Colombia in MLS, and if you're a player from Colombia, it's harder to go play in England or play in Holland or play in Italy. So the the offers on the table are going to be different. But for a Swedish player who's talented, who's 24 years old, he's going to have very competitive offers that are going to probably beat out any offer from MLS at this point. Um, but hopefully that will change. They have new rules for the designated players that are under 21 and designated players that are under 23 because they want to bring them into the league. Um, so... For the right player, I think it could happen. I think uh, MLS is very hesitant to be a retirement league. So um, a 32-year-old who's maybe done in Italy and is deciding, should I go back to Sweden or should I go to MLS? That's a much harder sell. He's going to be worth more money going back to Malmö or somewhere than um, going to MLS. So those are those are hard deals to come up with. There's one uh, Swedish superstar and uh, he has a contract with uh, Paris for two more years. But after that, he's been talking about uh, the MLS. We're talking about Zlatan Ibrahimovic. What do you know about the league's interest in in him? I'm sure they would love him. <laughs> Even though he's retiring or uh, he'll be 35 at the time. I think that's okay. <laughs> do you know anything uh, about him showing interest of going there? Just just through secondary sources, and I think it would be phenomenal, and he'd be fantastic, obviously, for any league. And hopefully his agent thinks they need some help with the MLS rules when he thinks to do it. But they would have to find some kind of a backhand solution with uh, a lot of money because he's not that cheap. No. They just signed uh, David Villa to New York City FC. I think he probably got a pretty good contract, too. But they, uh, he's going to play in Australia first and then in the U.S. Uh, isn't that a little bit Harlem Globetrotters in a way? Yeah, NYCFC, they don't start until January. They don't have a team yet. Um, so I suppose that's that's tricky for them to deal with, and that's probably the best solution. Um, and brave of them so he doesn't get injured. Uh, or they would have to worry he gets injured, but... You never really have to worry about that. You're not supposed to. Um, but Jermaine Defoe was a recent one who got a lot of money, and um, Michael Bradley and Clint Dempsey. The teams, the owners of the teams, have a lot of money, uh, and they want to spend it. 
And um, most of the teams do spend more than FC Copenhagen and Rosenborg and the equivalent or semi-equivalent teams. Um, but it's those designated players that make up most of that money. How closely do you follow Allsvenskan? I go to games when I'm working on moving a player. So I don't follow it as a league so much as I follow individuals within the league. So, for example, Ishizaki, I'd been working on him for a while. So I went to lots of Elfsborg games and watched a lot of Elfsborg. Um, But even when I watched Elfsborg, I was focusing on him. Um, So that's kind of the way I watch it. And I suppose other people who've been doing this for 30 years can watch everything that's going on on the field when they watch a game, but I have to focus my attention. So. Uh, and the next deal you're doing is Lasse Nilsson to Columbus Crew. Yeah, I wished that had gone through, but the window just closed, so who knows. It, was it close? I thought it was very close, yeah. So we were. I was disappointed, but... Um, Again, MLS needs more money to make a deal like that happen. And we were close, but not close enough. And uh, then, of course, Elfsborg got in the cup final. Um, the MLS window closed on the 12th, and the cup final was on the 18th. So it changed the the playing field a little bit. Um, so who knows, maybe this summer. Um, Will you move anyone else except Lasse Nilsson if that becomes a reality? Yeah, hopefully uh, this um, we'll move a Romanian player uh, capped for Romania 50 times or more. Hopefully we'll move him um, to one of the bigger teams in MLS. And uh, we have a few others I'd love to do. Um, Any Swedes? Yeah, I'm working on a couple of Swedes. Can you give me the names? (laughs) I would... It's probably, probably no harm in giving you the names, but I'll... I'll not until I get approval. Okay, that's bad. <laughs> en vanlig dag på jobbet. Ja, det ger ofta en del bra inblickar när folk ska beskriva hur de eh, jobbar. Därför eh, låter jag Catherine Salisbury ge sin bild av hur hon jobbar för att eh, vi ska få en eh, inblick i hur det är att jobba som agent. How's a regular day for you? Do you mostly work uh, towards the US US time or since you don't follow games that closely here in Sweden? Um, I will wake up, feed my daughter, spend some time with her and then the nanny arrives and I slide over to my computer and catch up on the news and maybe watch a bunch of highlights or condensed matches or if there's a player that... um, say my partner in Costa Rica just sent me, then I'll pull him up on Scout and watch as much as I can, um, make a bunch of phone calls, send out some annoying emails. I'm sure they're <laughs> following up saying, what do you think? What do you think? And um, uh, yeah, if there's a game going on in Stockholm, I'll try and go to it, especially if there's a player that we're watching. There normally is as so many players want to go to MLS. Is it different for for you when the transfer window opens or is it pretty much busy all year round? The activity changes dur- during the course of the year. So in the fall, when MLS teams are starting to f- make decisions for their next season because they're on the same 
uh, calendar is Sweden. So they'll come over to watch the last few games of the season if they're looking at a player. Like we worked pretty hard on Kennedy uh, when he was at Eur Gordon. Um, so, for example, that... Kenny Guananike, you yeah. tried to move him. Yeah, and Kevasise was around that time, and Daniel Huyland, and we had uh, Yusuf Chibsa. We had offers for all those players that fall. Again, they're not, they weren't good enough uh, offers to tempt the players, but um, they were interested, so we brought over teams from MLS and drove them around, you know, Melma or wherever the games were. Uh, so we do a lot of that hosting scouts more in the fall, sometimes in the late spring before the summer window. Uh, and then in the in January, I try and get to the combine, which is like the college tournament um, in the draft. So you know, different things, different times of the year. If you um, look at um, the Swedish league, it feels that there's maybe more money for the average player here since it's hard to move uh, Swedish players to the U.S. Why doesn't more American players come here as a way into Europe? You know, I that's what we thought we would be doing when we started the agency. And um, it's a couple of things. The American players that are really good, uh, they get extra money. They get it through what's called Generation Adidas. Um, and so... Their salaries are actually quite high when they're coming out of the draft. What's Generation Adidas? It's some sponsor deal. Yeah, it's okay. basically that. It's coordinated through Major League Soccer. So if you're young and leaving college early, you can get a Generation Adidas contract that will... Then those players are making $250,000, $350,000 a year, and the taxes are different. Um, so we did try with a player, uh, Kellen Rowe, who was a top draft pick out of... Um, college and Ewer Gordon at the time with uh, Magnus Persson and Khaled, uh, they knew the U.S. market quite well and knew how talented Kellen was and came up with their best deal and then we even subsidized it with a Nike deal because if he signs an MLS then he's with Adidas so Nike has an interest in getting top young national team players um, into their roster of players. So we even got a good deal from Nike, I think close to $100,000 a year. But ultimately, there's a there's a real pull to go through the draft and see how high you go in the draft and go play for your in front of your friends and family in the stadium. So you have you have just like in any league, some players love to leave and some players want to stay home. Um, we ran into a little bit of that. Uh, but also it's uh it's hard to argue that the level's better um so they would really rather go straight to holland or somewhere and then that that's harder that's a much harder move even though it didn't really work out for charlie davis after his car accident uh, he and alejandro bedoya are good examples of coming to sweden and then moving to bigger clubs in europe i think it's a great idea if you're a young talented um 20-year-old in the States, I think it's a great move for your career uh, to come play at a team like Melma or Aiko or, or Helsingborg or something like that um, and really develop tactically. I think the players in America are athletic and technical, but they really need to develop tactically and could do and can do that more quickly here. And then they're in a window league, I call it, or everyone calls it, um, where they get seen more and taken more seriously, and they've already shown they've adjusted to Europe. But if you're a 20-year-old and you want to take 
take that risk. You know, it's, it is a risk um, to leave home where people know you and they're rooting for you and instead be the foreigner that took a local guy's spot and um, probably don't get that generation Adidas money or a deal quite as good. So, Is there a lack of interest from Swedish clubs of recruiting from the U.S.? Well, that too, I suppose. Um, it's a it, it it's a hard sell. Um, I think if they, I think some teams have been interested since the start, since we started this business. Um, some people were very open to the idea. Håkan Mjeld, for example, when he was at Gothenburg, and um, Jesper Janssen, they were some of the first people that um, took meetings with me and were open to it. Uh, but then to find them the quality they want. Uh, at a price that works that just gets tough and a player with the the mentality to go abroad it's tough okay so we don't you don't think we'll see an influx of american players in all sounds i don't think so i i don't spend a lot of time on it because i think it's a tough sell to everyone even if i think it's a good idea Okay. Uh, thank you very much i usually round up with asking if you google yourself I should to make sure there isn't anything <laughs> wrong on it, but I haven't done it in quite some time. So then you don't read flashback either. It's the dark side of Google, I would say, but it's more like a forum with really strange stories. <laughs> Am I on there? I don't know. I, I haven't <laughs> looked at flashback, but it's not that everyone's on there in uh-huh. one way or another. Was there any question that you missed that you want to answer now? Uh, no, I think this was a great interview. I really enjoyed it. Okay, thank you. Good luck with the the business and in the shady world. <laughs> thank you very much. Om ni nu stört av lite trummor i bakgrunden när jag har spelat in mina intron så får ni köpa det. Jag sitter i Rio de Janeiro och lägger på de här sista bitarna. Utanför mitt rum så pågår en makalös tillställning. Man laddar upp inför en och en av Brasiliens matcher plus att Colombia och Chile som ju bägge har många fans här också laddar upp inför sin match. Därför är det... Både svettigt, varmt och mycket trummor över det hela. Podden tar ingen vila riktigt än utan jagar på med att hitta intervjuoffer. Gillar ordet offer där. Även här i Rio. Det har inte funnits mycket tid än så länge men förhoppningen är att de närmsta veckorna ska ge utdelning i form av en del intressanta intervjuoffer. Nu när det gläsar ut lite mellan matcherna så att... Jag ger inte upp podden riktigt än, även om det säkert blir ett uppehåll lite längre fram i sommar. Ni vet som vanligt att ni hittar podden på fotbollskanalen.se och på iTunes. Och även för Android finns den ju på olika ställen. Inte särskilt svårt att googla fram den om ni vill lyssna på tidigare avsnitt. Med bland annat VM-domaren Jonas Eriksson och en hel del andra intressanta personer. Och ni är alltid välkomna att komma med reflektioner på mejl till olof.lund.tv4.se eller på Twitter, där är det Olof Lund i ett ord. Men glöm inte H som Johan Reborg glömde när han var inne och hög på mitt skägg. Och Instagram, också Olof Lund i ett ord med H då. Och så kör vi vidare. Mm.